from Transport Topics in Washington, D.C. This is Road Signs. And now here's your host, Michael Fries. Thank you for listening to Road Signs, the podcast series from Transport Topics that explores the trends and technologies that are shaping the future of trucking. In this episode, we ask the following question. What can the trucking industry do to include more diversity? We'll set out to answer that question and explore the subject of diversity and entrepreneurship with DeMarco Thomas, managing partner of Metromax Group, later in the program. But first, we'll dive into the area of recruitment and retention with our first guest, Rob Reich, Executive Vice President and Chief Administrative Officer at Schneider National. Welcome to the show, Rob. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for having me on today. Glad to have you on. You know, one of the reasons we, we wanted to have you on was just to talk about diversity, but in the sense of bringing more people of color into the trucking industry. As you probably know, for CDL drivers, about 23% of the workforce is, under 23% of the workforce is Hispanic, 17% Black, and 4% Asian. In those those terms, in those numbers, what are you doing at Schneider to get more people involved into the trucking industry? Not so much in, in driver roles, but, but also in leadership roles as well. Sure, sure. Across the board. Yeah, Mike, we're really committed to ensuring that we cast a broad net for talent and, and to your question, and improve diversity, uh, both within the organization and we like to see it improved uh, throughout the entire industry. We feel really good on the driver's side, actually. And, you know, the numbers you cited for drivers, our, one of our goals is to reflect the communities in which we operate. And I think uh, we've done pretty well with the driver community from a, from an ethnicity standpoint. But I think the key there is to make sure you get your message out about the type of jobs that you have to offer and that you're not overlooking certain networks of people. And so that's a key part of our recruiting effort is to assess, hey, our, is our message and our marketing and recruiting efforts accessible? And can we get in front of audiences uh, that we're interested in hiring? And so that's really one of the first places we look is just ensuring uh, that we're, again, casting a broad net. So, for example, um, we know some spe- some people prefer to speak in their native language initially when they're talking about a job. So we have Spanish-speaking recruiters uh, in our recruiter department. So a variety of things there just to make sure that we're uh, reaching out and assessing our, our our abilities to get in front of a variety of audiences. When you, when you say... Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, where you're going to where, you know, those communities are to um, to promote interest into the industry. What are some of the things you're doing specifically? I mean, are, are, is it just kind of I mean, are you going to schools or I mean, you're you going to um, certain communities just kind of promoting the awareness of the industry? I mean, what, what sort of things are are, are are you doing? Yeah, it's a little more focused on our specific needs for the most part. On the driver's side, we have a, a large field recruiting team that's located throughout the country. And so we think that's an important element of our recruiting plan because you have people operating in the local communities who understand the community and know where to go to talk to people. So a big focus of ours, of course, is hiring somebody that uh, is graduating from truck driving school. And so that's one of the reasons we have those field recruiters is to make sure that they understand what are those schools in their area? How do we work with the schools to promote what they're offering and bring people into those schools that eventually are interested in driving and hopefully driving for Schneider? On a more broad enterprise perspective, it's really, for example, ensuring that we have a very good campus recru- recruiting program for college graduates. And so we've identified a variety of schools across the country, Mike, and, and particular focus recently on schools that are able to provide that diverse audience and and a diverse student population that we know we're going to see a variety of folks um, as we prefer to see. And so 
we've, we've identified schools that we know, and this is education backgrounds and ethnicity and male, female, you know, you name it. We want to make sure we're, again, casting that theme of casting that broad net. So, for example, we've added recently a recruiter in our campus recruiting team who's very focused on our diversity recruiting efforts. And we've added some schools to our campus recruiting list uh, that uh, provide a diverse student population to include uh, some historically black colleges and universities, for example. You know, it's interesting that you, you had mentioned, you know, HBCUs and the programs that you're getting into to uh, to generate interest and involvement into the industry. Uh, what are some of the things in, in talking to the schools that you have found to be beneficial in, in trying to get a more diverse workforce? You know, I think it's getting involved. Some of it, Mike, is getting involved in the majors that might align themselves with our type of work. So there's some great supply chain and logistics programs out there, for example. But do, do, the, do the students in those programs understand the variety of opportunities uh, that exist within the supply chain industry? And they may not think, for example, about Schneider. They might think, well, they hire drivers. They have idea that we have a huge logistics business, that we have a staff of mechanical engineers that work here, all the variety of jobs that we have. And so that's what we hear from the schools is, hey, you, you really got to make sure you're telling your story. And, and we've got this strong value proposition for folks um, that they just simply may not be aware of. And so that, that whole awareness campaign and, and the ability to work with the school to enable us to get in front of students is really important. From time to time, an issue commands so much of the industry's attention that it requires a deeper dive, a resource readers can turn to, a transport topic special report. We're turning our attention to another big issue, electrification and the key factors that will drive this industry trend. In every case, we're working to provide our readers with information, analysis, and clarity on key issues confronting fleets. One comprehensive resource packed with insights that can give you the edge. Transport Topics invites you to learn more about our special reports. To reserve your copy of the latest special report, visit ttn.ws forward slash electrification. I just kind of want to get into uh, this next subject since you, we kind of segued into it just slightly. Um, you know, I, I want to talk about more with the um, Schneider Foundation mm -hmm. and the the grant program, the diversity, equity, and inclusion grant programs that you that you have. Uh, could you just tell me the the origins of it and the the meaning behind it? Yeah, so uh, really started in the middle of last year, in the middle of 2020, uh, after honestly some of the social unrest in the country. Um, our CEO, Mark Rourke, sent a message out to the organization just talking about, hey, we want to be a leader in diversity, equality, and inclusion, and we want to get feedback from folks, and we want to enable folks to have an impact. And so as we got some feedback, Mark put some listening sessions together, our executive team got together and talked about some ideas. We said, you know, let's do something that enables our associates, Schneider Associates, at the local level to get involved in ways that they're interested in getting involved to improve diversity and to improve social justice in their homes, in their hometowns. So we said, uh, well, in order to enable some of that, you need some funding. And so we put $250,000 aside and we asked our associates, either at our headquarters in Green Bay or again at any of our locations throughout the country, uh, to come up with suggestions and really what amounts to grant proposals of, hey, here's something that I'd like to get involved with or our team would like to get involved with locally to have a positive impact as it relates to diversity. 
and uh, so that's what that's what we wanted to fund, and that's really where the that origin came from. Is we, you know we want to have an impact, but we want to enable our associates to have that local impact, and that requires some money behind it. Yeah, I in, in learning about this, you know, I, I see that the the programs that you do get involved in through the, the grant program really appreciate that particular help. Uh, what type of positive feedback have you have you gotten from those from those groups that that you've impacted? You know, I, absolutely, Mike. I think you you look at nonprofits and there's two things that they always need. They need volunteers to put time against it, and they need funding to support their programs. And they really need both. And I think that's some of the feedback that we've gotten through this program is we we try to put it together. So this is more than just writing a check, right? We, we didn't want to just get a suggestion, hey, here's a great organization to donate some money to. But we really wanted these grants to be tied to our associates either already being engaged in a nonprofit or getting engaged with that nonprofit. And that's some of the feedback we've gotten is just the appreciation for the local interest and the local time put against it in addition to the funding. So for example, you look, one of the really cool programs is a a mentorship program of of young African-American boys down in Dallas. Well, we have some of our folks who are those mentors and now we've got some funding along with that to support that program. So I think that's where we've really heard some positives is the the combination of uh, you know the individual involvement as well as some of the funding. You know, we we've talked a lot about the recruitment side of things and, and getting um, more people of color into the workforce. Um, let's let's uh, bring our attention to the retention aspect of this. Uh, you had mentioned earlier about uh, meeting uh, people where they're at and having someone especially in the Hispanic community, uh, you know, having someone speaking a Spanish speaking associate to, to get people into the, the, the workfold. Uh, what are some of the things that you're doing for, for, um, a more diverse work group, uh, to, to keep them involved in, not just in Schneider, but into a career in trucking or are there some programs or some initiatives that, that you have to, to, to keep them in the fold? Absolutely. Well, it's, it's one of the reasons we think our, our leadership uh, positions should also reflect the community in which we which we uh, work in, right? And, and, and so, again, I mentioned we feel great about our drivers. We still have some opportunity to improve some of our diversity in our leadership ranks. And we think it's important for people as they look at those careers, hey, they see people with similar backgrounds. They see people who they can associate with. Of, well, look what that guy did. That's really cool. Maybe I can do that. And so we want to make sure that, again, part of that's recruiting the right people, but then it's also having the development processes and the training that folks need to have that good career, and also to make sure that people can appreciate the, the different needs of the different communities in which we're working. And so we've done some uh, some education, for example, on un- unconscious bias. And so to make sure that, hey, nowhere are we making decisions that perhaps there's some unconscious bias. Could we be better from diversity if, if we identified what some of those unconscious biases are and ensured that they weren't imp- influencing the things uh, that we do. We do a variety of development uh, opportunities, Mike. So for example, in our maintenance organization, which is a very diverse organization, every year we have a high potential technician program where we're identifying high potential technicians at all of our shops around the country. And we have a great program where usually 20 to 25 members each year get an opportunity for some additional training, for some additional exposures uh, to leaders throughout the organization. Again, to make sure that they see what those opportunities are and they know that that development path exists for them. One of the things that, oh, I see that Schneider is doing a lot to to include more 
people of color in the industry. And you had spoken earlier about bringing people in. And you touched upon that during your answers in this interview. Um, and that's just one of the general things that I've seen in, in talking to uh, executives in in the industry where it, it, I mean, to get to get more people of color, you got to meet them where they're at. Mm-hmm. And I, Rob, I'm just going to ask you to put on your analyst hat sure. and, um, and just kind of give us um, your general take uh, on, on diversity. Uh, you know, you explained what Schneider is doing to bring people in and to retain the, that particular talent. What are some of the things that the industry must do to get to get more people interested in a career in logistics and trucking? Well, I think, you know, pr- promoting the positive aspects of the work that surprise people, Mike, I think is always one of the things to think about. And so, you know, if you talk about driving careers or technician careers, I think people still have very old fashioned perspectives of, of what our jobs provide. Think about a technician in one of our shops today. Um, I mean, they're working on some really cool new technology. The, the primary tool in the shops these days is a laptop. Uh, so it's not that dirty job that it used to be. There's still some dirt, but but it's what people think a mechanic used to do. Well, we got to tell people that um, from a driving perspective. Think of how great the technology is and the trucks are these days with automated manual transitions, transmissions and collision mitigation systems. It's a very different experience driving a truck than, you know, somebody's perspective of, of what that experience is. And so I think the more we can help people understand how different the job might be than what they think it is, uh, the, the better off we are. And then it's the rest of the value proposition of the job. The fact that both of those jobs pay pretty well, there's uh, career progression opportunities. And so it's, it's really just, I think we have to do a better job of uh, letting people know we've got good options for them and they might not be uh, considering yet. Rob, it was a pleasure having you on the show. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. In times like these, it's crucial to stay informed. Transport Topics is offering all the information you need to make business decisions in these unprecedented times. And in the wake of the many event cancellations and group gatherings, TT ensures a virtual way to consume business content and conversation. To join the conversation and stay ahead of the news, follow Transport Topics on all social outlets or by visiting ttn.ws forward slash stay informed. Next on the program, we'll speak to DeMarco Thomas, managing partner of Metro Max Group. Welcome to the show, DeMarco. Thank you for having me, Michael. Pleasure being here. Thank you. Thank you. Very thankful to have you on. You know, one of the things before we kind of get into the the 10,000 foot view of diversity, uh, I just want to know your story. Uh, You know, how did you get into the trucking industry? And also, what road led you to uh, start up Metro Max Group? Sure. So, um... My core background is uh, corporate finance. Uh, I worked in corporate finance based out of Atlanta, Georgia uh, for a number of years. Um, And in 2016, I had a friend who, a childhood friend who uh, was a truck driver and uh, convinced me to invest in his first semi. So I made that investment. Um, I did pretty well. Uh, in the overroad trucking space from 16 to 2018, scaled from one unit to 20 units. Um, and it just opened my eyes and I kind of fell in love with the transportation space. And between 2016 uh, to date, you know, we've uh, we've made various investments 
uh, in transportation from the asset side, uh, over the road trucking, last mile delivery, and the trailer leasing business, uh, to the services side, uh, back office support, tech development, and uh, dis and dispatching. So uh, overall, uh, it's been a phenomenal growth over the last five years, and I just I just fell into it and, and fell in love with it. It sounds like you just have an encompassing reach when it comes to trucking business wise. Um, you, you, you mentioned that you were in love with it. What are some of the aspects that you love about it? I love that it has opportunities. Um, it's, it's very fragmented. Um, not a lot of technology disruption is taking place in, uh, in transportation. And, and overall, it's a, it's a low barrier to entry. Uh, so uh, when, when I got into it, you know, those three traits really attracted me and uh, also the people. You know, I've met some some great people in transportation uh, on, a, on a personal level and on a business level. And so just just overall, it's kind of just fell into my wheelhouse. And, uh, you know, I jumped on the bike and I and I'm riding and I'm enjoying it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, what were some of the uh, the pain points that you saw in the industry that that led you to? find Metromax group couple uh, when I first got in the semi uh, business the over-the-road trucking business uh, the biggest point I found was dispatching um, you know it was hard to uh, get consistent quality freight um, and it was hard to get the talent uh, in order to deliver that freight or manage the delivery of that freight at a cost-effective manner so I used a lot of my corporate experience um, to actually travel to India, establish a dispatch office, Metromax Dispatch, uh, dispatch my company from offshore because trucking margins are slim, right? They're, they're pretty slim. And so, you know, I couldn't hire a real sophisticated staff in the U.S. and at the same time scale my business, not as a small company, uh, but by leveraging outsourcing, I did it for myself. And uh, I also uh, started to offer that as, as a service and, and quickly, uh, grew a client base of over 150 uh, trucks in you know less than an 18 month time frame. Um, so that's that's one example. And, and from there, I just started to crack the code on little things like trailers. You know, trailers are pretty hard to get for new owner operators. And having a dispatch company, I gained access to a lot of new owner operators. And their problem was my problem. If they couldn't get trailers, then I couldn't necessarily get trailer freight in order to support them. So I had to solve that. And we started a trailer leasing company to, to support them. And uh, from there, you know, last mile delivery. So we decided to get in that space with Amazon as a delivery service partner, uh, as well as just expanding out our back office support, being that we have a solution center in India, uh, everything from tracking trades to BOL to accounting to marketing. We've we decided to really become a one-stop shop for a front-facing transportation entity, um, specifically in the small and medium transportation space, which tends to be underserved and overlooked um, and don't have a lot of solutions. Well, it's safe to say that you've, you've had some success in your business venture. What other entities um, comprise Metromax Group? You had mentioned the dispatch. What, what other areas um is the group a part of? So there's Metromax Dispatch, um, which is my dispatching arm that support primarily owner operators and fleets under uh, 100 units. Um, there's Metromax Solutions, 
which is my back office support company uh, that provide business process outsourcing support to transportation companies in various forms. As I mentioned, marketing, accounting, tracking trace, uh, you know, a host of things. Um, there's Metro Max Express, which is my partnership with Amazon. Um, there's Partum Express, which is my last mile delivery partnership with um, Lasership. There's New Fleet Leasing, which is my uh, trailer leasing entity. And uh, lastly, there is uh, Fleet Carrier Services, which is a company we launched maybe about 60 days ago um, that specializes in compliance and permitting. And uh, we're, we're taking a, a different spin to that where we uh, introducing technology as far as a, a pretty slick uh, portal, uh, as well as using our back office support team to make sure that the cost is minimized to transportation companies. So, you know, got got a couple different hats we wear, but um, the beauty of it is it's a team environment and we have, you know, leadership in each one of those companies uh, that drives it on a day to day basis. And uh, pretty much made me look good. One of the things I, I know you, I know you've noticed, is that there there aren't too many people of color um, in the industry, just per se, you know, through drivers. But the the number is even smaller when it comes to the executive position and the, the ownership of a trucking company. Um, what were some of your um, your takeaways of just kind of uh, getting into the business? Number one, as a person of color, and 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 being in a leadership position and an entrepreneurship position. What, yeah, what takeaways did you get from that? Well, um, I, I think the biggest takeaway is that you're looked up to among a lot of minorities who are at positions that are that are non-executive, right? And and, and that you're and that you're rare, um, which I don't think should be the case. I think that you know the minority culture is kind of challenged in a couple ways. First way is really to access the capital. Um, we haven't been educated properly to have those venture capital discussions uh, to, to grow a business. Most of our endeavors, we, we bootstrap, right? Or we use credit cards or we use some kind of high interest vehicle that doesn't allow us to be profitable quick enough in order to reinvest and, and grow our business. Second thing I would say is uh, the, the identification of mentors. You know, when you're a minority in the trucking space, as you mentioned, I think about 40 percent of, uh, of people in trucking are minorities. But when it comes to the executive level, man, it, it may be in the single digits. Right. And so identifying mentors who come from your background, who understand, you know, some of the challenges you may have, it's, it's kind of hard to find um, in, in the transportation space. Um, and the last thing is just getting in the room. You know, you can have the talent, um, you can have the access to capital potentially, but just having the opportunity to get in the room and present yourself and what your capabilities are and what your company can do, um, I think is, uh, you know, a little bit more challenging um, on the on the minority side. And what ways would it be challenging or just... Um... You know, there's there's lots of barriers. I mean, no matter who you are in the industry, but I mean, but what unique barriers uh, have you come across, or or are there in the industry? Well, I think the the biggest thing I, I have as far as a challenge was just not knowing, right? Not knowing um, the associations that that are in trucking, not knowing how to get introduced to them. It, it was just a lack of knowledge, 
right? Uh, you know, coming from the corporate background, I learned how to research pretty intensively. And even when I first got into trucking in 2016 with my research abilities, I struggled to find, okay, what resources can I tap into in order to, you know, coach and mold me and, and, and help me get into the next level? Um, so uh, I, I think it's a combination of not knowing, but also, um, you know, mentorship. Like, you know, I, I think that's the key factor. Uh, there's not a lot of programs, at least when I initially got into trucking, that try to help minorities get into the business and grow into an exec, right? There's a lot of programs that want to help us be employees. Uh, but as far as, you know, taking us through a leadership program and, you know, putting us at the at the right tables, um, that's far and few, in, in my opinion. Now, circumstances are starting to change over the last you know year or so due to Black Lives Matter and things of that nature. But still, still a long way to go. Right. And uh, I'm, I'm excited about it. And I'm proud of the companies that have embraced it so far. Uh, have there been particular things that you have done uh, to to get more people of color involved in the the trucking industry, and more specifically in the in the leadership? Definitely, definitely. So, um, I mean, I, I do it from an employee standpoint. Um, I employ uh, about 105 people currently in Atlanta, and uh, I employ about 80 people outside of Atlanta. Uh, at, you know, in India, uh, my back office support team, and uh, Across both companies, um, the managers are minorities. They had no prior transportation experience. I literally hired them based on you know certain skill sets like customer service, passion, um, tech tech background, and I taught them transportation. Um, simple because you know I you know I, I didn't see too many candidates you know of 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 my background that I could pick from in transportation. Um, but but also I wanted to make sure that the company represented me and it represented kind of the fact that as a, as a minority, your company can still be very successful. Uh, it still could be multifaceted and it could, it could offer opportunities. So I, I, you know, intentionally tried to cater to the underserved community uh, when I, when I built Metro Max Group. Okay. The, the um, one of the things that intrigued me when, when I first met you was just the, the business model that you have. You know, when it comes to the Metromax group, you, you know, like I said earlier, you, you have a, a pretty extensive reach in the, in the trucking industry, trying, functioning all assets, you know, uh, and, and doing it as a, you know, African-American, you know, that's, that's uh, an accomplishment as well. What, what advice would you have for other people of color who are choosing to, to go into the trucking industry and, and taking on a leadership role, what, what's one of the first things that they should take into account? Um, I think they want to take into account education, you know, really identifying what niche you want to go into based on a problem, educating yourself about it, and then becoming an expert in that space. And if you can't be an expert, finding one and hiring one, right? Um, you know, uh, the, the second thing I, I would say is team development. Most minority entrepreneurs, they feel like I'm going to start a business based around me, centered on my image with me touching everything. And, you know, we, we have to embrace the fact that we can't be, do everything, be everywhere. And um, we, we need a team. Right. You know, I went and got a team offshore because I couldn't afford a team locally. Right. Just being honest. And so we got to open our mind to 
out of the box solutions in order to get us to the position we want to be in as we build in our company. DeMarco, it was a pleasure having you on. Thank you for your time. Thank you, Michael. Have a good one. Did you know you can ask Alexa to open transport topics? In just one minute, you will hear the biggest trucking headlines of that day. Be prepared and start your morning off right with transport topics. Before we close, let's take a moment to revisit our original question. What can the trucking industry do to include more diversity? This short question garners a multi-tiered answer, as we heard from our guests this episode. In one way, fleets like Schneider National are still working to implement procedures to find, entice, and keep their talent, and have committed to meet people of color in their communities. These companies have also invested the time to create lanes of communication and opportunity to better nurture that relationship. And the other way they approach this, from the example of entrepreneurs like DeMarco Thomas, is that if people of color aren't finding that lane, they're making their own, blazing a path to create their own opportunities while helping others to find theirs in the trucking industry. But this is by no means a victory lap. While there has been progress and mindsets have been shifted, there's still work to be done. If you enjoyed this episode of Road Signs, please let others know. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. If my questions have sparked questions of your own, share them with the Road Signs team or reach me on Twitter at Michael V. Freeze. You can email us at share at ttnews.com. We'll read them and respond daily. And of course, we'll be back in two weeks with a brand new episode of Road Signs. Until then, I'm Michael Freeze. Thank you for listening.